Hey guys, welcome back to the Reconstructing Youth Ministry podcast. Today we're going to be spending some time with my friend Mackenzie Willie. Mackenzie graduated high school in 2020, which means she graduated in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, what's interesting about that is that so many students that graduated in 2020 did go on to have kind of a lot of trauma in those days after, especially if they were going right into college. But what's most interesting about Mackenzie's story is actually what happened before the pandemic really kicked off. And so we're going to do a deep dive into that. You're going to love it, uh, especially if you're from the Siena campus. You know that we're rooting on Mackenzie because she is a full-time missionary working with youth with a mission right now. And so um, can't wait to have you hear more about that story. Don't want to steal her thunder. Without further ado, here is my interview with Mackenzie. Mackenzie Willie, thank you for coming. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm <laughs> okay. glad to be here. So, okay, give us give us a picture. Like you graduated from this student ministry. Like you've gone to this church. You don't exactly live here anymore, but tell us like when you graduated and how old you are now, and just give us the current picture of what Mackenzie Willie's up all up to. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I graduated from Ridgepoint, um, which is the local school here, um, in 2020, um, and I am currently 21 years old. So that was um, like what three, three, three years ago. Three years. You graduated in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Like, I just want to take a second just for us to just give you a hug. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you stepped out of high school in the middle of, of a pandemic. Yeah. What was that? What was that like? You know, honestly, I just remember the Lord's goodness throughout that year. Wow. Because really the year in 2020 was the year that like my relationship with the Lord started growing mm. and it was a relationship and not just my parents' religion. Mm -hmm. And so I really started to step in what it what it meant to walk with Jesus that year. And it took a pandemic to really shut everything else that I was doing down for the Lord to be like, I am your sole provider. I am your, your sole companion. Like, so honestly, I, I loved it. Okay. 2020 was hard and a lot of people struggled and I struggled and, but the Lord worked everything for good. Okay. Dude, so. praise God. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, um, I remember even feeling weird as I would say like, man, it's been really incredible. Like we have more family time and we have more of this, more of that. And then I was learning there was families like really struggling. And I was like, Ooh, am I not supposed to say that we're having a good time or whatever? But like some people had a chance to like focus more on their relationship with yep. God. And so that's awesome. Incredible. Okay. So you graduated high school. Uh, what was next after that for you? So after I graduated high school and I continued to, um, dive into a relationship with the Lord and seek him for my steps versus what I was doing before and just deciding to go to college because that's what you do. Um, the Lord actually led me um, to a missions organization called Youth with a Mission. Um, and I did that immediately after high school um, and I haven't stopped. So that's what I've been doing that's for the right. last two years. And I'm, I'm very well versed with that. But for those who don't know you, like how did you get to like in contact with them? Like how did you find out about them? Yeah, that's actually a really crazy story, and it's super long. Um, Let's hear it. <laughs> okay. Well, it started with an Instagram ad, actually, um, and it was about this random school in Australia, and I was like, wow, I'm starting to love Jesus and really understand what it means to serve him and, and be in love with him and and I like to travel. I want to go across the world, so let's do it. And so I started reaching out to Australia, and they reached back to me instantly at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Knowing now what I know now, two it was time zone. Time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a time zone thing, but my initial reaction was like, this is a fake organization. I'm getting scammed. I don't know what to do. Like, It was an Instagram ad. Instagram like ads lunch. aren't always reliable. Yeah. <laughs> so I completely shut out that idea completely, and I continued to pursue the... Um, the idea of going to college, but everything, like every door kept getting closed and it just wasn't working out. So I just sat on the floor of my room and I was like, God, I don't know what to do. And he was like, what if you look back into YWAM? And so I went on the actual page this time and reached out to a couple different campuses being like, I still don't know if this is a true thing, but I'm going to just shoot my shot. Yeah. Um, but as I was deciding like, okay, YWAM is a thing. Like I trust what's happening. I trust the Lord. Um, I decided to go, but I, I didn't tell anybody because I was still like, I don't know what's happening. I get that. Um, still kind of holding it close to my heart with the Lord. And then 
one of the youth pastors um, during the time of 2020, the, we, the preschool team, I was on the preschool staff at this point, we would build boxes and we would meet in the summertime um, and build boxes to send home with kids and really I was like at that point I was like I kind of want to go into missions like I want to look at what a mission trip would be like but of course not really telling anybody because it's 2020 the world was shut down um, so it's not going to happen this year mm-hmm. and then one of the youth pastors comes up when I'm uh, just packing boxes and like hey like we're doing a mission trip to Montana like you should just come and at that point I was like well I really don't have anything better to do at this point. And so my uh, ticket was paid for, like bought, my name was on the list. And then I find out it was for a YWAM base, YWAM Montana. And I had never, ever, ever heard of anybody ever going to a YWAM base before. I hadn't told anybody I was thinking about YWAM. Like nothing, like two, there were two separate worlds and it had never crossed before. And then all of a sudden in the moment, I like the Lord was taking me to a YWAM base and being like, this is where I want you. So I'm going to take you there to prove it to you kind of thing. And so just in the Lord's kindness, how he was like, I'm just going to put you there. And so you can really just dabble your feet in it and really just trust me in this. Yeah. (laughs) So that's kind of how I found out about YWAM. Incredible. (laughs) So that, that was a God story all in its, all in itself. That's, that's amazing. Okay. So, let me, I want to get back to like high school and middle school and all that stuff. But like, what have you been doing for the last three years? Yeah. Well, for the last three years, um, I've been in with youth mission. So I started in January of 2021. Um, and then I've been just doing a bunch of different schools with them. So the way they have that set up is it's connected to a, um, like a university of the nations. Um, so you can take different courses that are credited towards, um, a university, if you choose to go that route, you could get a degree. Um, or if you choose not to go the route, you could join a staff on um, a base. And it's an it's a worldwide organization, so there's campuses everywhere. Yeah. Um, so you could just join staff somewhere and, and serve and um, get plugged into different aspects of ministry. Um, so I chose to do two schoolings, um, and then after I did two different schools, I felt like the Lord has asked me to join staff. Um, so I did a six month internship in Wiley, Texas, where, um, I worked in hospitality, um, just kind of groundwork kind mm-hmm. of thing, behind the scenes, a lot of behind the scenes work I did, um, for six months. And then I felt the Lord call me to another school in, uh, Lakeside, Montana, um, really just helped me, um, foster a talent and a passion for dance and how to use that hmm. um, for missions and how uh, the Lord can be at the center of dance and you can use that to show other people who he is. Um, so I went and did that school and learned how to use dance in that way. And then I felt the Lord lead me to uh, help staff one of the schools um, that I had previously taken. Um, and so I joined staff with Lakeside Montana for about six, seven months Um and I'm actually going to go back and do that this summer and staff uh, the same dance school that I did okay. um, back then. So I'm really That's excited. Awesome. And I have just kind of on and off kind of staff, staffing yeah. with Youth with a Mission for the okay. last two years. <laughs> did you do dance before, um, you know, like before your YWAM days? Is that something that was just a part of your life? Yeah, that's actually something the Lord has completely redeemed in my life. Um, that's awesome. I did dance uh, pretty much until middle school, until like my sophomore year of high school. Um, but I quit sophomore year of high school. Um, yeah, it was just kind of like a negative environment. Sure. More of just like, there's like body image issues in the dance and there's like, if you're not good, you're this and all this kind yeah. of thing. Um, competitive. Yes. Yeah. I did. I danced in those days more because I was trying to win something than I was actually enjoying something. Wow. Um, And so, like, the Lord saying, like, I gave you a talent for dance, and, like, let me take you to this place. Again, the Lord taking me somewhere and being like, let me redeem this for you and show how you can use the giftings and the passion, the talent that I gave you to bring glory to my kingdom. How amazing. Um, So, yeah, the Lord redeemed that, and now I get to help this next summer um, do a little bit of redeeming for other people, too. Well, (laughs) it's evident to me, and I'll just tell you, like, our whole campus is such a big fan of you and we're so proud of you for stepping into this, but it's evident that God is obviously in all the details, Yeah, <laughs> you know, in your history and your testimony and the, in your hobbies, you know, yeah. and things that you were involved in to be able to redeem those for ministry later. That's incredible. Okay. So you're still doing the YWAM thing. Um, just 
last question on the YWAM thing. Has there ever been a moment where, like, are you continually um, engaging this, like, am I still in YWAM? Am I moving on to what's next? Am I supposed to be doing something? Is that, like, a struggle for you? Or do you feel like like a sense of freedom, you know, and kind of, like, man, what's next? Well, of course, it's still, like, a struggle of, like, Lord, what does the future hold? I feel like we all kind of walk through that, like, what's the next step kind of thing. Yeah. and throughout the two years, I haven't ever been in, like, a long-term commitment. Yeah. I've been committed to specific projects and to staff for a certain amount of time. Yeah. So in those, I've always been like, okay, Lord, like, where are you leading me next? Yeah. And every time, like, I ask him that question, he just, like, reminds me of, like, a path, like a path stone, like a yeah. cobblestone path stone. It's like every step leads to one next one to next one to next one. And you just have to jump on that rock to jump yeah. on the next one. And so, like, that's <laughs> kind of just my season that I've been in and I feel like I'm still in that season of like seeking the Lord. Okay. Like what's the next step I'm going to jump upon and where are we going to go with that? Well, I'm, I'm so, I mean, I'm, I'm not just, this isn't just recording a podcast and let's be use cute little Christian words. Like I'm really encouraged by that because, um, it's a common refrain among, um, the people I'm interviewing that, and, and honestly the current like 18 to 25 year olds that, it can be really difficult to navigate, mm-hmm. you know, even if you're like, I'm going to graduate and I'm going to go to a four year school and I'm going to live in the dorms for two years and I'm going to be off campus for two years. And then I'm going to have a full time job and I'm going to be married and have kids like no one's story is that clean cut. Yeah. And so whether people are going to college, going to the military, having a gap year program um, or stepping into YWAM and taking it step by step, um, we all know that there's times where you're like, Lord, what do you want? So the fact that you're allowing the Lord to guide you to your next steps. I mean, it's just, it's as simple as, uh, Proverbs three, four and five, you know, yeah. like we lean on him, um, and we don't trust our own understanding. And, uh, he does, I can't remember the verse, but that he does order our steps. Yep. And so all the way from, all the way from, you know, an Instagram ad. And then someone comes up to you and says, Hey, what do you think about like this trip to Montana? And it's mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, you know, obviously he's in the details. Um, Okay. So that's super encouraging. Let's talk about, um, tell me about what it was like growing up in church. Did you, did you grow up in church? You know, was there, you know, give me the story there. Yeah. Um, I did grow up in church. Um, I come from a very loving Christian family that, um, took me to church, told me about Jesus. Like I grew up knowing who Jesus was. Like he wasn't somebody who I didn't know. Um, but it was he was somebody I didn't really have a relationship with because yeah. I didn't know what that meant to actually have a relationship with somebody I couldn't necessarily see, sure. you know? Like, you grow up in a little kid, and you're like, my dad, I see my dad, I give my dad hugs, or, like, my mom, I talk to her a lot, or my friends, but, like, you don't really see God. He's, like, yeah. the invisible God, but he's visible everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, growing up and, like, I don't really understand that concept, but I still, like, believe, like, Jesus is Lord, like, he is real, he is my king kind of thing. Yeah but just not really sure how to like articulate that mm-hmm. or how to actually step into that. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my growing up. <laughs> okay. So tell me about, um, it, so getting into like your survey, um, <clears throat> one of the things that here, let me find the, um, okay. So there's these two questions that you answered and they kind of go together. Mm-hmm. Um, you did talk about attending youth ministry through middle school, but unfortunately you chose not to attend during your high school years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you remember, um, you said reflecting on my time. I remember more of the social aspect than I do the actual teachings. That's not abnormal. In fact, I think most kids don't remember the teachings. They remember like a specific illustration in the teachings. Yep. Um, because like years later they said, what that time that you had those jars with those water, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, Oh yeah, that was about this. And they're like, I don't remember what you were saying, but you know, it's just, the, it's just the things, the way we remember things. Yep. You also said you felt cared for and supported. Um, and that during middle school, um, there was a little bit of a drift away from church due to some things going on, maybe some academic athletic commitments, but also some family stuff. And, and then, um, by eighth grade, you said you'd gone from a regular attender, uh, to kind of just occasionally coming on Sunday morning, um, which led to relational shifts between staff and students, which led to kind of a gap, which led to awkwardness, Mm -hmm. which led to kind of ultimately deciding to not attend, uh, youth in high school. So can you give us like an idea of what, like what you, what, what your relationship with God felt like in middle school, what it felt like in high school. So there, you were a part of things in middle school and stepped away during high school, kind of give, take, tell us 
you know, that part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like I was saying, like I've always believed in Jesus. That wasn't ever a question. Um, but coming into middle school, um, and trying to, and jumping into youth ministry, um, from going from, uh, like kids ministry, um, really trying to find those answers and those questions of like, okay, yeah. how do I walk out? Like I believe in Jesus, but how do I walk that out? Um, and kind of building a community around that, um, and fellowshipping with other believers, people my age. Um, there was obviously like you're in middle school and high school, there's your friends that go to church and there's your friends who don't go to church. Yeah. And that's a real like tension point of like, okay, I want to be at school with my friends here who don't really believe in Jesus. And if they do don't, really go to church. Yeah. And then there's some friends here that go to church who believe in Jesus, who uplift you and encourage you. But like, you're like, how do I go from point A to point B? How do I live on the bridge? How do I live in the middle kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. And so going through middle school and, and wrestling with that tension point of like, I want to be friends with both sides of people, um, and successfully doing it, I would say. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just kind of being a little bit of two sided, like, I'm this person with these people. I'm this, per- this oh, okay. person with these people. Um, and not that like I ever said that I didn't believe in Jesus, but like I acted like I believed in Jesus with this group. Yeah. And I didn't necessarily act like I believe in Jesus. Yeah. With that's this common. Group. I think it's common for teenagers. It was common. It's common in my life. You know, I had my church friends and then I think there was one kid that overlapped in both groups. Yeah. And so sometimes he would look at me and be like, why are you acting this way? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you didn't act this way Sunday. Why are you acting this way Friday? You know? So I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Walking through middle school, I was in uh, youth ministry, kept going. Um, I had a really great friend group. Like I said, I, um, I remember a lot more of the social aspect of being in youth ministry in middle school um, than I do actual teachings. I remember watching a lot of videos, Francis Chan, shout out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of uh, like presentations, a lot of uh, visuals and stuff. Um, and I remember bits and pieces of some of the stuff that um, was preached and was shared and sure. um, some, some stories from the Bible. Like I learned kind of like the basic, like, um, groundwork of yeah. the story of the Bibles, like David and Goliath, um, mm-hmm. kind of like what we would perceive as basic, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of all I really remember about being in middle school youth group was the social aspects, yeah. hangouts, pizza parties, yeah. going with friends. Um, really, I think I was more focused on the friend aspect than I was sure. about actually like pursuing after Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> like every middle schooler? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> every middle schooler just wants to be accepted. Like yeah. every youth in general. I mean, we even still, all yeah. we wanted to be is be accepted. Yeah. And it takes learning and growing to realize we're already accepted in Jesus. Yeah. We don't need to be accepted by our peers necessarily. Yeah. But like, it's that question that is needing to be answered. Yeah. And a, as a middle schooler, letting your friends answer that question versus letting Jesus answer that For question. Sure. So that was kind of middle school. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. even into high school still. Um, going into high school, yeah, I actually ended up not doing youth in high school. Um, my family got really involved with like sports. Like I started doing a bunch of dance competitions. I was a competitive dancer. Um, my brother did, um, baseball on the weekends all the time. So it was really hard to regularly attend church and not that the desire wasn't there for us to go. Not that my parents were like, we need to go to church. We need to go to church. Not that they weren't waking up, waking us up on Sunday being like, go to church. It's just sometimes we had tournaments on Sundays or I had competitions on Sundays and we just couldn't go. Um, and so just slowly over time, um, kind of like my eighth grade-ish year, I'd say is when it really got um, prevalent, where we were just, our schedules just won't line up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the less I started going to church, the more distance I actually started putting between me and those friends who were in church, because mm-hmm. I didn't see them as much. Yeah. So where did you go to, you went to Ridgepoint High School. Um, mm-hmm. So where were, I'm trying to, I'm trying to place... So that was, so we came here in September of 2018, which would have been the start of your junior year, 18, 19, 19, 20. Yeah. Yeah. Start of your junior year. Um, where did you, where did the church, uh, students go to school? I'm trying to think. Um, cause we're still very spread out. We're still yeah. like, we only got one high school in our, we're launching a new high school like this fall. Uh, in our community, but we've got lots of kids in like private schools in Sugarland, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Was yeah. there lots of, how many, how, how many kids do you think went to, went to youth group in high school? Ooh, I actually don't even know. I mean, it, it couldn't have been that much because there was probably, 
or maybe maybe 15. Well, I really didn't go in high school. So well, I, I mean really like don't know. so like going into high school like in the 8th grade year, like okay. how many kids? I can't even put a number like maybe 30, 30. Maybe 30, yeah. And I think 30 would have been high. I remember when I showed up in 2018, I want to say that I walked into a room with like 30 and it was like 6th through 12th graders, everyone's all in, leaders and everything. It was like 30, 35 people. Mm. Um, and so small group enough to feel like maybe that you're a part. Mm. Um, it's interesting. Like youth groups, some youth pastors will listen to this and be like, oh, I only have like 5 to 10 students. And some students will say like we have 50 to 100. And some will say like, oh, we're like a mega church and we're like seeing like 500 kids come. Whatever the difference is, yeah. they all have different like relational balance. Um but for students, it's all the same, you know, like the friendships were a hook in middle school. It sounds like, or like an anchor. Like I had friends, yeah. I wanted belonging. I wanted to feel accepted. No middle schooler that I've ever met is ever like theologically astute enough to say like, well, I'm accepted in Christ. So it doesn't really, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the relationships grew distant in high school. It sounds like, yeah. um, and eighth grade stuff started getting busy. Um, but were you, um, what was your like faith journey like in those four years of high school? Because yeah. you didn't let go of your relationship with God necessarily, but you weren't in church as often. Yeah. So throughout high school, I I still believed in the Lord. I still um, I knew He was real. Yeah. But ultimately, what and I've spent a long time processing the Lord. Like what really was my faith in high school? Sure. And I think really what it was is I just didn't believe He was good. Wow. I, there was just a lot of struggles that was going on in like relational dynamics from kind of all areas that I was just like, I don't know if God's good. Like, I don't know, like no concrete. He is who he says he is. Yeah. And so that let a lot of doubt enter into my mind that let a lot of questioning into my mind and questions that I honestly didn't let the Lord answer. I let the world answer. And I looked more to high school, more to friends and the social aspect of high school answer majority of the questions that I had. Um, and yeah, I just felt kind of like lost in high school. Like a lot of it was just lost. Like I knew God was real, but like everybody says he's good and he's faithful, but like I wasn't seeing that like illustrated in my life. Wow. I think there's, I think if there's youth pastors listening to this right now, I think the reminder that I'm even seeing is sometimes I think youth pastors rush to judgment on like why a student isn't attending or why a student isn't involved. And, um, and I think just to remind us to have the compassion of reminding ourselves that students have hard questions are wrestling with like the the hardest questions life has to offer for the first time, you know, because they aren't middle schoolers aren't necessarily asking these questions. Elementary for sure. Aren't yet. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe branching into that, but yeah, you were asking some very hard questions, having some, some doubts. Um, and, uh, of course the world's going to offer that question, Mm -hmm. you know, and the enemy wants to answer that question in a certain way. The enemy wants to use all kinds of outlets for you to tap into, um, and if there's a uh, distance between the church, then, you know, how could you expect to to answer those questions? So um, so you said friends, like, is culture kind of a- answering some of those questions for you? Or is it largely for, like, local culture, like friends and stuff like that? I would say local culture. Yeah. A lot of just, like, how, how are my friends doing it? Like, how are my friends' families operating? Like, what are what are my social peers? How are they operating in this, like in this situation? How are they reacting to this situation? Are they students who went to church other places or like didn't go to church? Some of them were majority of them. No. Okay. Majority of them. No. Um, so yeah, that was that. And I have always was like reading, like trying to read the Bible. And like when I would be like, I am in so deep in these questions. I know it's wrong. I know the answers are wrong. Hmm. Like I knew the answers were wrong, but I was still like, I don't know the truth. I don't yeah. know it. So I would read the Bible and I would, I would read and just read to feel good kind of, and check it off a list and be like, okay, I'm reading my Bible. So like, I'm still good. I'm okay. Mm. Um, but really being like, I don't really know what I'm reading kind of thing. Yeah. Like I understood the words, but yeah. did I understand the heart behind the words? Not necessarily. So, so the, the, I think the silver lining for me is that you had enough of a spiritual anchor mm-hmm. to go back to the word Yeah. at the very least, you know, worst case scenario, you were still trying, you were still yeah. seeking. Um, you even, you know, your words, not mine are saying, I knew my answers weren't right, mm-hmm. you know, but 
yeah, it's like, it's tough. Like if the answers aren't right, it's like, well, I don't, you know, I can, I can talk to this invisible God, but maybe I'm not hearing back. Um, did you ever feel like, um, were any of those conversations happening at home or were any of those conversations happening? Like even like God conversations happening with your friends who didn't go to church? Yeah. I had conversations with my parents. Um, not very frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, mostly because I didn't ask Mm -hmm. all the time. Like Mm -hmm. I wasn't actively seeking out my parents, um, voice of wisdom. I was more seeking after other people's voice of wisdom. Again, (laughs) no teenager seeks after their parents' wisdom. Like it's just not a thing we do. Looking back, I'm like, Oh dang it. I really should (laughs) have. I didn't. So I, they, it's not that they didn't answer questions or they didn't want to answer questions. It was just, I really wasn't asking them those questions. Um, but yeah, I would say majority of like the questions that I was asking and the answers I was getting was from like social media, yeah, um, from little Pinterest posts about like God is faithful, God is, like you know those like little uplifting yeah. quotes on Twitter yeah. or Facebook. Okay, those were majority of so my uh, you know it's questions. not it's not the worst answer. I mean, it could be it could <laughs> be a truth. lot worse. It's truth, um, but it it was half ended kind of. It wasn't the context behind For the sure. truth, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's what I was craving, the context behind the truth. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, what um, – can you just give us then the bridge between you were disconnected, you were distant from friends in high school – well, friends in church, right, in high school. And during those four years, you were largely kind of like not coming. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get from there to I'm – like a full-time missionary. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. So I, I was always wanting to like, I was wanting to come back into church. I got, um, involved in, um, working at the preschool ministry here at Houston's mm-hmm. first when I was 18. Um, I really started getting more like back into church at that time. Um, regularly attending like service, um, well not service, but regularly attending like the children's service, the preschool services, yeah, teaching, yeah. um, and if the kids are asking questions, like I have to have the answers. So like digging into the Bible <laughs> that way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, struggling with the aspect of like you coming back into youth ministry, like that wasn't really an option for me more because of like clicks start forming. For sure. Like you just feel awkward going back. Um, you're not really aware of like the social dynamics anymore. So like once you've left for a long period of time, youth ministry, it's really hard it's to really come back. Really hard, yeah. Um, but still wanting to be involved in different yeah. aspects and we different were still, ways. We were still a pretty small youth group at that point too. I mean, considering, yeah. you know what I mean? Like our church has grown a lot in the last few years. Um, but yeah, like it, our high school ministry has always been pretty small. And so that's just the nature of the way things happen. Relationships grow and they build. And if there's distance, you know, of course it's hard to get back in. Okay, so we're answering questions to preschoolers. You know, what else is going on? Yeah, um, so at my senior year in high school, I would say, I really just kind of hit a low. Yeah. Um, and I was so exhausted of just working so hard and not really know what I was working for or mm. working towards. Um, and I just, like, wanted somebody to listen to me. I was like, nobody ever listens to me. Nobody actually hears what I want to say. Hmm. And it's not that I wasn't, like, using my voice or sharing my heart. It was more of, like, the real heart stuff. Like, I was craving that, like, be known factor. Um, and so I had one friend from uh, my youth ministry that had kind of been throughout. Um, pretty, n- she was consistent. Like, we didn't hang out all the time. We didn't talk all the time. But she was that one person who, like, every four or five months, she'd be like, hey, how are you, kind of thing. Um, and so we actually started hanging out more, mm. getting, going to the gym together, kind of doing like a little bit of daily life things together. And she had mentioned actually Christy. She was talking about Christy, um, your, the youth pastor's wife here at Houston's First, um, and just how great she was. A little, She shared a little bit about like just her backstory and like it actually kind of matches up with yours. Like you should really just confide in her. Um, And so I was like, okay, like maybe. Um, And then I went over to somebody's house and she was actually there. So I met her. Oh, wow. (laughs) Where was that? Um, Kelly Boylan's house. We had like a pizza. I was friends with Gina and Michaela. Um, And so they invited me over to um, their house for just pizza. And uh, Chrissy was there. 
and I met Christy for the first time, and we just sort of talking, and I was like, oh, she seems really cool, like, she's great, um, and then one night, I was just like, I need somebody to talk to, and so I texted Christy that night, and I was like, hi, like, my name's Mackenzie, we met, and I'm wondering if, like, you would be willing to just chat and talk, I have some things on my heart that I would just love to, like, process through, yeah. um, I probably worded it differently, but sure. that's the essence of what I said, yeah. um, and she immediately texted back, she's like, yeah, sure, you can come over to my house on Thursday, um, so after school, I had sixth and seventh period off in high school so oh, immediately so after awesome. lunch I would go over to Chrissy's house um, on Thursday and I would I just ranted about everything to her I was like this sure. is what's happening in my heart and I know God is real but like I don't know what I believe about him <laughs> and Chrissy was like hey girl like it's okay we're all we've all gone through we've walked yeah. through it I'm here with you like do you want to keep coming to my house like do wow. you want to keep diving in um and answering some of those questions. So she actually invited me to be a part of her life. Um, I would go over to her house every Thursday after school, um, and we read through the book of John together. Um, we also started a study guide um, through Hebrews, so we read like the first four chapters of Hebrews together. And ultimately what it was is we were studying the Word, but we were doing life together. Like mm -hmm. we were fellowshipping. I was seeing God through her and how Jesus had orchestrated her life and sharing mm. her testimony with me and... Um, yeah, honestly, her just inviting me into her life and saying, like, how God is in every step of her day. Yeah. It changed something in me and it softened something in me and it made me be like, okay, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna sort this out more. Like, I, I want Jesus. I want him now. Like, I really want to know what it's like to wow. be loved by him. Yeah. Because I knew I was loved by yeah. him, but what does it mean to, to be loved by God and to know that you're loved by God? Wow. And so I just started that journey. I started that journey um, reading my Bible for context and, and looking behind what the, the truth is saying. Like, well, not looking behind what the truth is saying, but like those common verses looking behind. Like, okay, what does it mean to believe this? What does it mean to walk it out? Kind of like putting application to the truth. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I started that in my senior year of high school like halfway through and then covid hit yeah and everything kind of exploded and honestly everything exploded like mm -hmm. my whole life everything was gone i lost all of my friends mm. um just randomly one night i lost all of my friends there was a big miscommunication and things exploded oh, there was like an event it wasn't was just event. the distance <laughs> no oh wow there was an event and there was a big miscommunication and things just exploded exploded and i lost all of my friends um, and where acceptance was really, really important to me back throughout, pretty much throughout my life, a big thing in my testimony was just wanting to be accepted by people, like yeah. letting other people define me kind of thing. And so having all of my friends like leave me and I really am just like, there's nothing like that. I don't really have anything, but being okay with that. Like yeah. I had a weird sense of peace about like, okay, like I'm okay. Like it's okay. Wow. And, um, yeah, I think, honestly, 2020, like, an explosion that happened with losing friends, not going to school, not seeing people, like, your friendship bonds that you had in school that you weren't really, really close with, but, like, you were friends with still, like, they kind of faded away because you didn't see each other, and then, like, your really close friends, there was just miscommunications, mm -hmm. and things exploded, and you just kind of were left alone. Um, yeah, I had a weird sense of peace about that. Wow. And I had really been like, okay, like, what, like, what is my life right now? Yeah. Like, I'm still trying to look into college. I'm still trying to go to college. And I just don't really know what my life is right now. And all the while, I was, like, with, meeting with Christy, like, sharing, like, this is happening in my life. And I don't wow. know what's happening. Yeah. Um, and all these things. And I'm trying to go to this college, but I just don't feel peace about this. And then I just don't know about this. Like, a lot of it was just a big open question mark. Yeah. And then one day I was just sitting on my porch and this is kind of like a really cool story. It's not, kind, it's kind of cool. It's a really cool story. I just was met with God on my porch one afternoon. <laughs> I was just reading my Bible and it was the, the study guy that I was walking through okay. um, with Miss Christie. And it was talking about like when the peace of God like meets you today, like something, I don't remember the whole verse. I wish I did. Um, but it was just talking about the peace of God and it was talking about how like he washes his peace over you. Wow. And then, like, when you meet him today and, like, da, da, da all these things. Um, and then, like, there was kids playing outside. And then when I was sitting on my porch, like, the kids went inside. It got super silent. The wind stopped blowing. Like, sun shined in my eyes. And I started crying. I just started weeping. And, like, I was on the side of my porch that doesn't get a lot of sun.
but it was just the light was in my eyes and I was like just seeing these pages and I was just crying and bawling my eyes out. I was like, I just want the Lord. Like, I just want him. Wow. I just want him. And I remember saying like, I'm going to go walk my dogs at like 524. And so I'm going to end my Bible study at 524. And I was just weeping and I was crying. I was reading my Bible and just really soaking in like, not necessarily like what the scripture was saying in that moment, but more of like what the Lord was saying to my heart. Yeah. And like the way that he was just meeting me in that moment. Um, so I, the kids came back outside. The wind started blowing again and the sun started signing. I um, closed my Bible. I put my Bible down and it was 524 exactly. And in that moment, I was like, God is real and God is good. And I can't even, it's miraculous. That specific moment, I would say I met God and my whole heart changed. My entire thing shifted. And I was like, I'm done being lukewarm. I'm done being halfway. I am going to go for this. I'm going to dive deep into what his heart is, not only for me, but for other people. Um, And I remember going on a walk with my dogs and I invited my mom to come. And I was like, mom, like this happened to me. (laughs) Like, what do you think about it? Like, because I was trying to be like, this is kind of miraculous. Like, could this really happen? Like, is this a really thing? Like God is, God is miraculous question mark. Right. And my mom was like, that's amazing. That's awesome. And she just kind of confirmed everything. Like the Lord was saying to me in that Mm. moment. Um, yeah. And it was that, that afternoon on the porch and God's graciousness and his kindness to meet me in that miraculous way that completely changed my heart for the rest of my life. And I just can, I've been writing that feeling of just chasing after the Lord for until I'm standing here today. (laughs) So I'm speechless just hearing that story, you know. Um, I mean, I've heard different parts of your story, but, like, I don't know that I heard it quite that poignantly. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, if if it's not obviously clear to you, the Lord has been after you, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, from an Instagram ad, from, in a, gosh, even just to say, like, one student who was bold enough to to stay in front of you and to say, hey, you should have a conversation with someone because they have a similar story. And for them, you to be bold enough to reach out and to say, hey, I kind of just need to talk through some things. Um, but like, there's there's this idea that I have, as it's a term that I call spiritual landmarks. There's There's these moments that happen in our life that, for me, or like, I remember that moment where God was faithful to me, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, even in the Bible, we see moments um, early in the Old Testament where they stack these stones up and they stones say, of remembrance, yeah. yeah, stones of remembrance. And um, I think about the moment where they cross the Jordan and they stack these stones up and, you know, someone's like, why are we doing this? And someone said, because your kids are going to ask one day. Mm-hmm. Why did we do that? Why are those stones there? It's like, well, that's where the Lord rescued us. That's where the Lord, you know, rescued us from slavery. That's where the Lord allowed us to walk through on dry ground. That's where the Lord performed some sort of miracle to protect us. That's where the Lord gave us guidance. I've got those spiritual landmarks in my life. And in moments of doubt, I'm like, I remember that. Hmm. I remember that. I remember the Lord did that. Not just in my life, but in scripture. Um, And he's obviously, even even through a season of being distant from friends in church and from attending church, the Lord kept like a remnant in your life, mm-hmm. uh, to stay connected to. Um, so I'm sorry, I'm still just kind of like processing everything <laughs> you said that, um, can I, I don't, I don't, we don't have to put a label on what that, what happened in that moment. Um, because we, I hear so many teenagers tell a story about like, so the moment of salvation, right? When was the moment of salvation in your moment? I'm not saying that was your moment of salvation because it sure seems like you were saved early on. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are moments where we, um, it's funny. I had a, I had a moment, um, not, not similar to that at all. Right. Cause that's such a unique story, but the moment where I felt like, okay, I'm done being lukewarm. Like that moment really resonated with me because I remember for years, in my own story, I was just like, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I wonder if that decision, and it's so silly when I think about it for, for probably six years between when I was 10, when I was like 16, 15, 16, 
um, I wish I'd written down the date. They always say, write down the date. Well, I kind of like led myself to the Lord. I didn't write down the date in yeah. a journal or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just was like, oh, cool. Like it's, it's real. It's legit. And I just didn't write it down. Um, but I, I, I was a sophomore and, um, there was a moment in my bedroom where years I had just kind of laid awake at night. And I was just like, I wonder if that decision was legit. I wonder if I'll actually go to heaven. And at every moment I had the opportunity to be like, for real, for real, for real. Like I'm going mm-hmm. to like go after God. But I also think that there's this, and this is really kind of something about my theology or my doctrine, if you will. Um, the Lord had to draw me into it. Mm-hmm. He, he, the Holy Spirit had to pull my heart, you know, maybe wrestle me into submission mm-hmm. a little bit. And just to say like, okay, I'm not going to be lukewarm anymore. Like I'm making this solid today. That's when I actually, my own life, I believed that I became a new creation, just Mm -hmm. my own story. Um, But, you know, that sure seems like, I mean, a mountaintop moment in your journey, like, and a spiritual marker. Um, I always tell people like, please journal that because you're going to want to remember that. I wish someone had been like, hey, this moment that you just had with God, like, please journal it. I would love to read those. Yeah. But I was a high school boy, you know, I, I definitely <laughs> didn't have those disciplines. Um, so by the way, just props to the student who is bold enough props to you for being bold enough to reach out to Christy and then props to your mom for being able to walk with you in that moment yep. and just to be like, absolutely the Lord's working in your life. Hmm. That's incredible. As you've grown, um, you're 21 and, um, you know, like I said earlier, 18 to 25 year olds tend to be in this weird phase of, um, feeling probably disconnected from lots of things. Um, but you're crazy connected in your relationship with God. You're connected to a missions organization. Like you've got purpose and you've got all of that. Can you just tell us like if you, if you had all of the pastors in the world, in front of you and you got to just share with them what you think uh, about the church's posture towards the world right now? Like, would you say you're encouraged? Would you say you're discouraged? Would you say like, do you have friends that are just like, Hey, I'm out on the church right now because of a, B and C uh, mm-hmm. because I, I hear plenty of people say, well, the church treats people poorly or is too judgmental or is too, you know, whatever. Um, can you just give me a 21 year old's thoughts on kind of like the posture towards the world right now, the church's posture towards the world? Yeah, of course. That's a very broad question very because broad. it like addresses kind of a bunch of different denominations. Yeah. And yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. issues in our, our culture that like each denomination kind of takes a different yeah. outlook on. Um, so I can't even really speak into like that aspect of it, Sure. but if I could share anything, it's something that the Lord actually spoke to me a while ago, almost a year ago. And it was like, if you do nothing else in your life, but love me, would that be enough for you? And really like sitting with that question and being like, if I did nothing else, if I didn't reach another person, if I didn't preach the gospel one more time and I just love Jesus, would that be enough? Mm. And would that yes, or would that no be move you what's into what you're doing? Would Mm. that be the heart posture between what you're doing? Like, I'm loving Jesus so that I'm loving this person. I'm loving Jesus so I'm loving this person. I'm loving Jesus and I'm going to be loving this person. And it's because I'm loving Jesus that I'm loving this person. Yeah. And it's it's having the heart posture of, like, seeing the individual the way that Jesus saw them and being like, Jesus sat with tax collectors. He, ta- he sat with sinners. He sat with the people that the Pharisees pushed to the side and was like, they're too, they're too dirty and unholy for the Bible. They're too, their ears are unclean. They can't hear those, the yeah. word of the Lord. Um, and modern day, that's the LGBT community. That's yeah. the, um, the minorities. That's the, um, the teenagers who dr- do drugs in high school that's the the youth who don't know where they're going like those yeah. are our modern day like tax collectors and yeah. sinners and we're all sinners but that's the modern day version of of tax collectors and and um sorry i'm bleeding people on the, <laughs> the outs and just letting the question be like if i did nothing else but love jesus would that be enough for me and letting that love motivate you to reach the lgbt community to yeah. reach um the minority groups to reach the um the political agendas yeah so i think that um first of all i think that answer is brilliant it's obviously you said it's something that the lord gave you and i i agree with that um 
I don't know that we'll ever have a clean answer to like how to reach those yeah. hard to reach groups. Um, and if I'm being honest, I think plenty of my friends from those arenas don't feel like they need to be reached mm-hmm. or don't feel like they're lacking or missing or whatever. Obviously, my theology lends me to believe that when we are born and we have a sin nature that we are um, fractured in our relationship from God and that while Jesus has paid for that through his blood sacrifice on the cross, that we have to have our moment of repentance and finding our identity in him mm-hmm. um, and choosing um, him as our Lord and our Savior and our King. Um so I would say that we all are missing something until we come to that moment of faith. Um, and uh, obviously our culture is uh, not very friendly to the things of God. Um, and unfortunately, I think sometimes our church posture towards those people is not very friendly at all either. Um, it's interesting. I was just, um, as we're recording this, it's March, and we were just in um, New York City working with our church planner um in New York city, uh, Queens church, shout out to Larry Mayberry and his family leading Queens church. And I was captured by, uh, their posture towards their community, mm-hmm. um, through simple things like it's not even hot button issues, you know, in our, in our world. But, um, we did a lot of work trying to reach, uh, the homeless in Queens or in Woodside specifically of Queens. And, um, they would say specifically, <clears throat> we can hand out church invites all day, but if we don't give them what they need, which is just food, it's mm. just trash. Like they need food. And so before we ever invite them, before we ever make them feel guilty for not coming to church, mm. uh, which their goal is not to make anyone feel guilty, um, they're handing out food. Yeah. And so they're even like, even in the way they hand out food, they're handing out the food and then there's no like, and let's make sure that you come to church on Sunday. There's just like, we just want to make sure they have food. Yeah. It's and loving it's, the individual. Yeah. Loving the person that God has set before you. And and I think sometimes our posture towards anyone who's not like us is not anywhere close to Jesus' posture towards the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the sinners. And um, I'm even convicted right now just even thinking about like, man, what does my posture towards those folks look like? You know, would I be the one of the ones jeering at Jesus because he never seemed to be doing what he was expected to do, you know, mm-hmm. but he was the, the image of the invisible God. He was mm-hmm. like, he was God in the flesh. And so he was obviously on, on, on point. He was obviously doing what he was supposed to be doing. And I think we should follow in his footsteps. Um, and I think even his, um, the words he used, the harshest ones were reserved for church leaders not the outsiders. Mm -hmm. Um, and the most compassionate moments were spent, uh, defending the woman caught in adultery and, you know, hear me theologians. Like he he told her to go and sin no more. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like for sure. He's not like pro sin, but he's, he leads with love and compassion. Mm -hmm. And again, because of that love, you know, I want to love others. You know, I love that. The fact that, you know, he gets, backed into a corner. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God, right? With all your soul, your heart, mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, uh, which is like two commandments, but it's really one. Yeah. And I've heard it said, if you want to show how much you love God, then love the people that God loves. Mm-hmm. And so um, I hope, um, I hope that we're able to listen to voices like yours Um would you say would you say that you have like friends who have been cast out by a church kind of like from from those like is that personal to you um you know do you have friends that have felt like outsiders in the church I don't know if I have friends who have been outright outcasted from the church but I definitely have friends who are not walking with the church and mm-hmm. who don't believe that church is for them. Like they live their own truth, you know, like the yeah. secular humanism mindset of yeah. I am my own truth and what I believe is, is concrete fact. Yeah. And if somebody disagrees with me, then sorry, yeah. bye <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. Just that very like cancel culture these days. Yeah. Um, so I do have friends with mindsets like that. 
And I'm glad that you brought up the the story about the woman um, who was caught in adulteress. And, like, I love that story. That yeah. is a story that, like, I meditate on and I just spend time with the Lord. And it's so dear to my heart. Um, just in the way how he interacted with that woman. Mm-hmm. How he he put the outsiders who were accusing her outside. And then he knelt on the ground. And then he gave the conviction of go and sin no more. He did all of that in a secret place with her. Yeah. Personal, one-on-one. Yeah completely just with her in private he didn't expose all of her garbage he didn't expose all of the the sins she was committing the lord knew them but he still put the outsiders out yeah people who were accusing her who were wanting to throw rocks at her he said okay bye (laughs) basically they all left and then he got in the dirt with her and then he started talking to the sins and then he started talking to her heart um and really just just seeing how like how can i walk that out how can I do that with my friends? Yeah. Like, how can I not cast stones when everybody else is being like, okay, your friend does this or yeah. they think this way, but how can I be in the dirt with them on my knees? Like wow. being like, Hey, like this isn't right, but I love you anyways, but I'm still going to sit in the dirt with you. Yeah. And really just not being passive about what I believe, not compromising the truth of the gospel, but also loving them and seeing what they're what they're thinking, what they're believing, and choosing to look not with my eyes, but with the eyes of Jesus, yeah. and seeing them out of compassion, and seeing them for who God created them to be, even if they don't see it yet, mm-hmm. and choosing to have that perspective yeah. that gets in the dirt, and not the perspective one that stands above and, and ridicules. Yeah, and there was never a moment that Jesus threw stones. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, at the one moment that it seems like he got the most quote unquote violent was, uh, you know in the temple when they were turning it into a den of den of thieves, I believe he said. Um, and, um, you know, he, I mean, it's not that Jesus is some sort of, you know, like quiet, like passive, like he's not passive. Mm-mm. Um, you no. know, he's very, he's very proactive. He was very, um, you know, obviously God is chasing after his people. Um, but man, I just, I just feel like I need to hear, I think the world needs to hear more voices like yours, uh, just giving us the the perspective of um, like, hey, we we could look more like Jesus. We could, you know, really chase after that rather than. I, I would even say too, like your story, God has come, God is after you, and that's that's clear and that's evident, and you have obeyed and you've repented and you've followed and you're continuing to follow. I love the fact that your story has. Um, just repeated moments throughout the year where you're like, okay, God, what's next? And I think if you had a whole nother podcast to share, like about all the times that you didn't feel like you had that answer yet Mm -hmm. and how difficult that is like, yeah, that's part of the story, you know, but that's also part of the adventure of following Jesus is like, okay, so I will wait until you give me the answer until you follow up with those next steps. And then someone walks up to you and says, Hey, what do you think about going to YWAM? <laughs> you know? And you're like, uh, excuse me, <laughs> you know? What? <laughs> yeah. But like, I hope that your story lands squarely in our hearts and reminds us that God is chasing after us individually, mm-hmm. you know? And in moments where I am, um, maybe in sin that Jesus gets down on the dirt with me in mm-hmm. a private way, doesn't expose yeah. my stuff to the world, you know, but it's just me and him. Um, he's a very personal God. He's a very he compassionate God. He's a loving God. Um, not sacrificing truth. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, leading with love. So, um, thank you for being, uh, you know, just a reminder of that an example of that. Thank you for being someone who is an encouragement. Um, there are more people than you might know that are watching your story and are encouraged by it. And it's reminding those of us who are back here um, while you're out doing missions um, that we can live interruptible lives too. um, And we can ask the Lord what's next too. Um, So anyway, we're proud of you. Thankful. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, Thank you for having me. I really appreciate just this opportunity to share what the Lord has done and is continuing to do and will do. (laughs) It's been a blessing to be a part of it. (laughs) Awesome. All right, let's jump into some key takeaways with Mackenzie's story. First of all, I mean, Mackenzie's story is so inspiring and encouraging. So many of us are rooting for her and we're so proud of her. Um, and uh, I hope she knows that. Uh, but um, her story actually comes with some bumps and bruises, which I think is probably 
God's way of allowing us to grow and God's gracious way of, of kind of guiding us through those to help us understand his grace through those. Um, but she learned some things through those and I'm learning some things through those. And so here's a couple things that I've been thinking about as I interviewed Mackenzie and maybe you came up with some more. I would love to hear them. First of all, I can't help but think about how powerful it was to hear her story, uh, specifically in terms of one particular student who was bold enough to suggest that she should reach out to someone to process some of her thoughts. And not even just to suggest that she should reach out to a youth leader to process her thoughts, but quite frankly, um, to keep up with her over over the course of that time. I couldn't help but think about, um, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but the distance that is formed uh, when a student is not able to make it to church for a while and kind of what happens there is relationships grow distant and there becomes that awkwardness. And this is all her story, not mine. And her words, not mine. Um, you know, so what happens is you've got a student who sees that distance and decides to overcome it and bridge it with, hey, how's it going? Like, I miss you. Like, let's go to the gym. Let's go hang out. Let's go work out together. And so I was just so, so proud of Michaela in that moment with hanging on to her relationship with Mackenzie. I think that was probably one of the thin little threads that really grew into a strong bond for Mackenzie and our church. Then Mackenzie was able to spend time with, and you know, I'll just say it as plainly as this. It was my wife, uh, my wife who I think is just the best youth leader that I've ever worked with. Uh, obviously I'm biased, but she's incredible. Um, and my wife didn't know a ton about Mackenzie's story going in. All she knew was that this was a girl who probably could use some time, uh, some compassion, some attention, and some space to process some things. So you heard her tell the story about how she kind of, in happenstance, ran into Christy at a gathering. I'm, I'm imagining there probably was less happenstance and a little more planning involved in that, because sometimes we're sneaky like that. But... Christy was able to invite her over to her house, which is where a lot of our discipleship happens, uh, especially for on Christy's side of things, because she's probably balancing it with getting kids from school or, you know, just kind of along the lines of our family dynamic. Um, this would be a good little commercial time for me to say, like, sometimes we're afraid of discipleship because it's one more thing we've got to add. And I think we've got to dispense with the fact that discipleship is something that we're adding. And I get it. I mean, it's a heavy cost. I get it. I get it. And we should count that cost. But you should be bringing people along with you in the life you already live. So um, it's always been said, like, are you going to the grocery store? Take someone with you. Are you going to the park? Take someone with you. Are you, you know, you got some drive time? Make a phone call, you know, and there's, there's those times where you can kind of batch those things together. Um, this isn't like a self-help podcast, but, but that's how we have to do things because Christy, in a lot of cases, has to be home while I'm at work so that she can get the kids off the bus. Well, that's when she was able to meet with Mackenzie. And so she was able to give Mackenzie space for some of that thing, some of that stuff that she didn't know how to process. Some of them were hard questions. Some of them were doubts. I mean, she told her story. So she was sharing some of that. And then she was able to have a sounding board, um, a leader who cared and was able to process some of those things. And I think that it was probably really special. Again, props to Michaela for noticing this, that there was a little bit of symmetry between Mackenzie and Christy's story. Uh, Christy uh, got to a point in her life where she did have a friend reach out and kind of offer her to, to bring her back into church circles and faith circles. And uh, Christy's uh, told sto that story all kinds of times. Um, and, and maybe should I should have her kind of come on this podcast and share that story. But the power of one student and then the power of one leader who cared and that was it. I think that obviously discipleship matters. Um, it, it occurs to me right now that you're probably going to hear me talk about discipleship 
for the rest of uh, the episodes in this year. In fact, it's it's very clearly coming as uh, an issue raised to the top uh, that discipleship is kind of the one of the most important things um, that we can offer students. I, I have more to say about that, um, but I think we're going to save that for another episode. I would like to jump into this issue of what happens when a student becomes distant from church. Now, uh, student becomes distant from church. Um, you know, in a lot of cases, the student's not making that decision. The parents are. And so um, I'm talking to youth pastors. I'm talking to parents. I'm talking to youth volunteers right now. Anyone who cares about the life of a teenager. You've got a teenager in your mind, or maybe it's a preteen or or something like that. Someone that's in your head, right? Maybe it's your own kids. Maybe they're babies and you're kind of getting a head start on the teenager world. Man, so glad you're here and listening. What ends up happening in youth ministry, um, and I think the basic stats have always been that we're keeping a lot of our middle schoolers because their parents are bringing them to church. Uh, and then we're losing about half of our high schoolers because of the advent of driver's licenses, even though a lot of students these days, it's baffling, are not rushing to get <laughs> driver's licenses. I don't know why. Uh, I was I was counting down the days. I remember that last year without a driver's license was the longest year of my entire life. Um, students aren't rushing out to get their driver's license, but they are choosing extracurricular activities. Um, things like, uh, classes, things like sports, things like band, um, there's lots in the way of church. And so what we're seeing, and we saw this in McKenzie's story is that these extracurricular activities or family events or things like that can sometimes get in the way of church. Now I am a youth pastor and I have friends who are youth pastors and I run in the youth pastor community and I got to call us out a little bit. Uh, so youth pastors kind of like just kind of gird your loins here. Um, the thing is, is that we need to back off of the guilting students for not coming to church. First of all, it might not be their decision. Second of all, guilt is not a great motivator. And so we probably need to just watch out with that because what ends up happening is a student who probably still has all love and respect for the church, still has faith intact, still has all of that, but just don't realize that it's some sort of unsaid rule where you're supposed to be in church every Sunday. Youth pastors feel that because they always think, well, our crowd would be bigger if everyone showed up at the same time, or our group would have a closer dynamic if people would show up and kind of build relationships. And I, and I get that. Uh, I even, I even feel some of that, but I also just got to say this as I was listening to Mackenzie's story, I couldn't help but think about a young girl who, um, she expressed, there was a couple things, right? One, she had some family, uh, family events, activities and stuff like that, whether it was sports or academics that pulled her out of church. And then there were some mis misunderstandings, okay? And and some of these happened kind of at the beginning of high school. Some of them happened towards the end. I, I think the misunderstanding happened like at the end, if I remember correctly, of her high school career. And you have these things that happen in the life of a teenager and then all of a sudden they disappear. I think it's important. If we can just pause and think about how important it is to have a follow-up system, to not look at our group as just like a group, but look at it as a lot of individual people with individual stories, a lot of individuals that God loves and a lot of students, quite honestly, that don't have answers for their questions. I, I've had so many conversations with people recently where they've said something along the lines of, I had questions, I had doubts, I didn't have answers. And then I even had a conversation with a guy, this guy's, you know, just a friend that I was talking to the other day. He said, I, I had all these questions and these doubts and I was kind of hoping Christianity wasn't true so I could live however I wanted to. He's kind of getting that confirmation bias thing going on. And so every time he saw something negative, he said, yeah, see, God isn't real, right? Jesus isn't real, right? Church is wasting their time, right? This, this, I'm not wasting my time with faith. And so people are walking around with these questions and these doubts. And then what happens? A pastor walks in and says, hello, stranger. It's nice for you to finally join us. Well, how awful must that feel as a teenager? I know. Listen, I'm guilty too, right? 
But what if we had a system that was more concerned with follow-up and watching what happens when a student doesn't show up? Some of you have amazing follow-up systems that honestly I need to learn from. You know, what would it look like for a student to miss two or three weeks in a row and all of a sudden they're getting something in the mail saying, hey, we miss you, we love you. It's always been a struggle for me. Honestly, like when I, when I, as the student minister, youth pastor, whatever, I reach out to someone, I say, Hey, we miss you. Sometimes they take it as like this guilt trip. Like, Oh gosh, here he is. He wants me to come back to church. And I never mean it that way. And to be honest with you, I'm always going to do it because I'm going to either make people feel awkward by expressing that we miss them or making people feel awkward that we completely silent, Right. I'm going to choose, like, make people feel awkward by making sure that they know we love them. But I think about this. First of all, I'm thankful for Michaela and I'm thankful for Christy. And I think there was a little bit of handholding there with making sure that, like, hey, there's this girl named Mackenzie that we need to go after, right? She's a great girl. She's got history in the church. She's just been distant. She probably just could use someone to talk to. Does your student ministry have the kind of follow-up system? Or let me just make it more flesh and blood. Are you the kind of youth pastor that will notice when kids aren't there, are you the kind of youth pastor that will go after them? Not to guilt trip them to attending a church, but just to make sure that they understand that they're always welcome. And I don't even mean just welcome in our church gatherings. My goodness, we we would do so well for ourselves if we would just make sure that our posture towards them wasn't, please come to our stuff, but like, hey, we still love you. Quite honestly, as a parent, the thing that convicted me the most because it, it occurred to me when she was saying, you know, I, I, I could have this conversation with my parents at all times. And my parents were asking me from time to time faith questions. But isn't it true as a parent that sometimes you click into this like robot mode of like, wake up, go to school, eat your dinner, take a shower. Did you sign up for that? Did you do your homework? Did you? And there's all these like rote things that we have to do because we're teaching our kids to be responsible. And I get that. But when do we pop out of our parenting role to just maybe poke and prod a little bit on the spiritual things? In the busy life of a parent, there's not a good time to do it. I mean, family dinners for us are a great time to do it. I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes it's more just reconnecting about how the day went. Sometimes when I take my kids to school, those conversations are happening. But quite honestly, I got to be intentional. I got to be intentional about making discipleship a priority with my own kids. If you're a parent, can I just suggest to you, you have all those questions top of mind, homework, clothes. When's the payment due? Did you treat your teachers well? Did you, you know, did, when's your report card coming? Did you clean your room? You know, all those things. And, and, I, and I get those things matter, but let's make sure that we don't miss the opportunity to ask our students, ask our kids, our children about their hearts and where their hearts are with Jesus. I'm so encouraged by Mackenzie's story. We are literally watching her blossom in this, like, seeking after the kingdom of God in very real ways. I mean, you heard her say it. Like, she's she's kind of season to season. So I say full-time missionary. I don't know, full-time part. I don't know what you call it. But, but it sure seems to me like her whole life has been kind of given over to missions. For me, that's full-time missionary. But she's also in a stage of life where she's taken it season by season, which I also think is encouraging. Maybe, maybe one of the key takeaways is that we all need to be living that life. Where we all need to be asking the Lord, what do you want from us in this season? And help us prepare for what you want for us in the next season. So Mackenzie, thank you so much for taking the time to encourage us. Next month, we have a student named Scott who was in our student ministry at Indian Springs in Arkansas. Here's a clip. I think what I get wrong a lot and what I think I see people get wrong a lot uh, in the church is they look at people and they want to fix them to get them to the gospel. Um, so it's, you know, I'll use the, the, the big example that LGBTQ plus, yeah. which, um, I know people, uh, believers in the, uh, the church will look at, look at gay, gay people or, uh, and will say, Hey, I want to, they treat, uh, people in that community, uh, like they have to fix them before they could come to church, before they could come to the gospel. Um, uh, and that's 
just opposite of everything we believe. Yeah. Uh, we believe the gospel transforms everything. We can't change it all without without uh, without the Lord, and um, and so that's the kind of that really gets me fired up is when um, I see believers the way that they talk about people that are different or they have different beliefs. I'm like, oh yeah, lost people are going to act like lost people. Of course they are. Right. Um, we're you know the only reason we're better is because of is because of Christ. We're not better. Sorry, let me go back on that. We're not better. The only thing that's separate that's different uh, is right is a relationship with the Lord, the saving work of Christ. Uh, all of the wickedness that you can imagine, I, to me, I think we're all capable of all of it. All right. I can't wait for that episode. Make sure that you subscribe. Make sure that you share this with a friend and we will see you next month. <laughs>